we have been uh, talking about uh, financial flow and been talking about favor. And that's what I want to fo focus on more than anything is favor. And I've been trying to understand this whole thing because in my life, I've never made money in ministry a focal point. I've never preached on it never, and never even talked about it. But God meets our needs. Amen. And a lot of times I struggle a little harder than I should because I won't talk about it. And I, I have a hard time saying this is what we're doing or this is what we need or whatever. I'm one of those, I'm one of those people that don't, uh, don't uh, ask for help very much. And, uh, but God, God, he's faithful. He is so faithful. Praise God. He's, he's helped us to do so much. But in, in a series that God gave me for this whole year, first time in my life I've ever mapped out a whole year before the year started, and we have stayed on course this whole year, and he told me to, to do this segment. And so I've been sweating this because I am not real good at preaching on things like this or talking about things like this. But, and so I have struggled with it and trying to understand it, trying to understand why is it important to the body of Christ? And so I've been struggling with that. Why is it important? Why is it even talked about? And this week, I believe God answered that question, and uh, I've got some really good stuff for you today that's going to help you understand, and I, I hope will just uh, give us the ability to flow and function uh, with God and, uh, and, and be what God asked us to be and, and gave us to be. Praise God. Turn with me to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8, already up there. Read that with me. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good word. Now, this verse has stood out to me for a long time, and I've been praying this over the church and our ministry for years because as far as I can tell, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 is the only place in the Bible that specifically deals with financial giving. Other places in the Bible talks about giving, but it's not always about financial giving. It's a, it's a mixture of, of things. And most of the time, it's talking about relationship and, and, uh, and the things that God has given to us. But in order to understand verse 8, we have to go back to verse 7. Because verse 7 is what brings us into this. It's, it's the qualifying verse for this verse. This verse 8 is all these great all-encompassing statements. All things. Every charitable work. All things. I mean, it's, it's all this. It's like God's able to make all grace, favor, abound toward you. And you always have an all-sufficiency in all things. May abound unto every good work. Praise God. I like that. I want to be able to abound unto every good work. And I never understood the tie between God and finances Never, I've never been able to adopt or become part of the uh, prosperity doctrine that began to be preached in the, in the 70s. 
And the reason was, not because I'm against being blessed, but the reason was is because it, it, it created greed in people. And it became about getting. It's all about getting. You know, sow this great seed and, and you'll have ten, hundredfold return and all this kind of stuff. And it was all, it, 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 it reminded me of pyramid schemes. It reminded me of, of great, you know, sales pitches and 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 it just it really I couldn't I couldn't grab hold of it I couldn't become part of it I couldn't preach it because to me it cheapened the gospel and so I've struggled with it tried to understand what is it I believe we're missing a principle here I believe we're missing something here because it's definitely part of the word of God but I don't think we're getting it. I don't think it's coming across. I don't think we've got the principle here that we need to have. So verse 7 says in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9 and verse 7, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. That is a powerful statement. God loves a cheerful giver. Now, why would Paul make such a powerful statement when dealing with financial giving? God loves, because this is specifically about finances. God loves a cheerful giver. In, in uh, the Amplified Bible, it says that, that uh, God loves a cheerful giver. The Amplified says uh, someone that is not reluctantly, you don't give reluctantly or sorrowfully, like when you pay your taxes, <laughs> or under compulsion. When April 15th rolls around, it's kind of like, you know, you just, woo. And we try to survive April 15th, and then we can get into all the, you know, the stuff that aggravates us about, you know, all the runaway spending in, in our politics and stuff, and we don't want to get into that today because I want to stay happy. <laughs> I don't want to get upset right now. I want to stay happy. So I'm going to talk about that. But it says to give as you purpose in your heart, and the word heart means man's entire mental and moral activity, both the rational and the emotional elements, the seat of moral nature and spiritual life. So when we're talking about the heart, we're talking about us. We're talking about the real us, the heart of the issue, we say. We're talking about what's real, what we're really about, who we really are. Who are we on the inside? Not what we try to promote to other people, but who we really are. And he said, he said, let it be from your heart, from who you are, and not just because it's compulsory or manipulation or, or sorrowfully like it's been taken away from you. And because God loves a cheerful giver. Now, in uh, the Amplified Bible where it says God loves a cheerful giver, there is this amazing definition for that. That I, as I've read that, it has just always astounded me, and I thought, 
Why such detail on this? You know, it, it's amazing the detail that went into this. And it said in the Amplified Bible, it says God loves. He takes pleasure in. Prizes above all th other things. And is unwilling to abandon or do without a cheerful, prompt to do it, giver whose heart is in his giving. Now, is that not an amazing definition? An expounding, God loves a cheerful giver. I'm going to read that one more time. Praise God. Hang, hang in there with me, all right? Some of y'all already drawn conclusions. Don't do that. You have absolutely no idea where I'm going today because I'm going somewhere where man has never went before. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. What I'm going to be preaching today, I've never preached and I've never, ever heard anybody preach because I got it right here on my knees seeking God this week and God started giving me a download and explaining this thing to me. How many like it when things get explained to you? Amen. So God began to explain this thing to me, and I have been pumped to preach this. And I'm trying to just focus here because I could just blow up right now. All right. God loves. He takes pleasure in what? A gift, cheerful giver. Prizes above other things. Who? A cheerful giver. And is unwilling to abandon or do without a cheerful giver. What a definition. A prompt to do it giver. That's not somebody that God speaks to you to, to do something and, and you spend the next next three weeks saying, God, was that you? Was that, I don't know if, you know, I, God, give me a sign. Make Turn the sun into blood. Make the moon shine like the sun. Turn the clouds upside down. Make it rain up instead of down and I'll do it. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Devil, get thee behind me. <laughs> A cheerful, prompt to do it, giver whose heart is in his giving. Why is Paul putting such a emphasis on this, and why is this a treasured thing of giving finances and provision? Everything, everything God told us to give now, listen to me. I've got three pages of notes, so I'm going to have to get right through this. I seldom ever have a whole page of notes. I've got three. So everybody, everybody say, focus, Pastor. Okay. I can't chase rabbit trails today. Everything, everything that, Paul, that God gave us or told us to give originated with God. Okay? Everybody got that? Everything God told us to give originated with God except one thing. Money did not originate with God. Money originated with man. God did not create money. God does not own money. God feels no gain or loss when it comes to money. I could gain, we could gain $10 million today in the church and God would feel nothing. We could lose $10 million today. God would feel nothing. He has no ownership of money because money 
is an institution of man created by man in natural means. It did not come from heaven. You getting what I'm saying? Now, everything else God told us to give came from heaven. Look with me in Matthew chapter 10. Matthew 10. Verses 7 and 8. And as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Everything I just mentioned originated in heaven and came from God. Okay? So what we're giving doesn't belong to us. What we're giving, it belongs to God. Okay? And when the disciples came back and said, oh, you got to, this is just amazing. Even the demons are subject to us. Jesus said, you know, just calm down. Don't get so excited about that. Just be glad your name's written in the, in the book of life. Okay? Jesus didn't get excited. Why? Because they were not using what belonged to them. They were not giving of what was theirs. They were giving of what belonged to God. They were just simply the source or the, or not the source, they were the tool by which it was being distributed, but it belonged to God. It did not originate with man. It did not originate with them. It was something they received from God. It came from heaven, came through them, and came to man, and it was God's. It was given from heaven. All right? Now, in Luke chapter 6, Turn with me real fast. Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. He said, give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom, for at the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, I've heard this, this scripture used a lot in talking about money. It has very little to do with money. It's talking about forgiveness. It's talking about mercy. It's talking about relationship with people. All of that, forgiveness, mercy, grace, all of that originated with who? God. So actually we're giving what we have received and therefore, it doesn't belong to us. We are simply distributing what we have received from God. It's like if you work for a, distrib a distribution company, you wouldn't get any glory from people for distributing what the company gave you to distribute because it doesn't belong to you. When you make that delivery, they don't come out and say, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. I just appreciate this. No, they, you hand them the bill and, and you drive off. They don't, they don't give you some big parade or something. because No, why? Because it doesn't belong to you. You're just hauling it in a truck and distributing it, but it's not yours to give. So you're actually not giving anything. You're giving what has been given. Are you grabbing hold of this? Come on, somebody. And so we are taking what belongs to God and giving it, and we're commanded to do so. Give, and it shall be given to you. 
pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall it will be given, put into your bosom. How many, how many want mercy pressed down, shaken together, and running over? How many want forgiveness pressed down, shaken together, and running over? How many want relationship and love and all that stuff pressed down, shaken together, and running over? I mean, this is a blessed verse. It's amazing. And, and it causes, it's all about favor. It's talking about favor coming back to you. Amen. I like it to come back. Amen. I like when, I, when, I'm, when, when I'm in need, I like for it to come back. Amen. You know, I've, I've, for years, I've helped people that broke down on the road. I've always tried to stop and help people. If I see them on the phone these days, I don't stop because I figure they got somebody coming. And sometimes I'll just holler, stop, holler out the window, do you have somebody coming? Yeah, okay. So we're connected these days. But there was years that we wasn't connected. There was no phones, you know, we didn't have help. And so I was, I was always stopping and helping people on the road. And, and because of that, I believe because of that, all the thousands of miles I've traveled, every time I've been broke down, somebody showed up immediately. I believe it came back. Pressed down, shaped. We broke down in, in uh, down by Miami, Florida one time. And I pulled over in a parking lot. And a man from Guatemala who was about to fly back home stopped Asked me if he could help me, and I said, yeah, I need you to take me to so-and-so's store. He said, well, I'm on my way to fly back to Guatemala, but get in. I'll take you. And so he took me, took me to all the places I need, even paid for some of it. I, I told him, I said, absolutely not. He said, no, you got to let me. And he paid for some of the parts. And, you know, he just showed up from Guatemala. Wasn't nobody from Miami willing to help. God had to send me somebody from Guatemala. But he had me some help. Amen. Praise God. We have sown and sown and sown in this church and give and give and give. And I remember one time that I've got here, Sister Linda was our secretary. Got here in the morning. I was wore out. I was working myself to death, trying to keep things afloat. I got here that morning, and Sister Linda said, we got to have $500 by noon, or we're going to have checks bouncing like crazy. We've got to have a deposit by noon, or we're going to have to pay overdraws, and it's going to be bad. And I turned around, walked out of the office. I was mad because I was tired, and I was tired of dealing with it. I was tired of debts, and I was trying to, tired of trying to make money. At the time, I was paying her salary out of my own pocket, and I was tired working hard, day and night. I didn't want to hear about it. So I just, I thought, well, I got to do something. Knew I had to, something had to happen. So I just went on, went and got on the lawnmower and started mowing. You know, you got to do something. Feel productive about something. And I was out there mowing, and I was complaining Praise God, great man of faith and power was nothing but paste and flour that day. I mean, I was complaining. I said, God, I'm tired. I need, you know, we need this. I don't understand why we're in this position. You know, we give all the time. Give everything we got. Why are we in this position? And I heard my phone ring over the mower, which I can never use to do. I, I answered the phone. It's Sister Linda sitting in their office. She said, uh, there's, a, there's a man here that's broke down and needs some help. 
I just hung the phone up. I didn't even say okay. I just hung the phone up, put it back in my pocket. Y'all just like me. I know you are. Come on now. I was frustrated. I was irritated. I was struggling with faith and everything else that day. I mean, I was, something had to happen, and I was tired and wore out. So I, I went ahead mowing. I just kept mowing. Pretty soon, I, my conscience started getting to me. So I rode the mower up here. There's a, there's a man from China standing there, from China. He could speak English, but he was from China. He said, I'm broke down on the road. I said, okay, let's go. I got down there. His battery was dead, dead going down the road. I said, listen, I'm going to charge this battery up for you. We're going to get your van started. But the next town, he was heading north. I said, the next town is Ozark, Missouri. You have got to stop and get somebody to put an alternator on for you because your, <clears throat> your battery wouldn't be dead if your alternator was working while you was driving. So I charged it up. Thought I got it charged up good. In the van was his mother who was over from China, could not speak English, and his wife who was a, a Palestinian Muslim. So I've got a China, man from China, a Palestinian Muslim, a mother from China, broke down on the road right here by the church. And so I charged the battery up, got the van started. I said, okay, you should be able to get to Ozark. And, and uh, I, I got in my truck, come back up, heading back up to church. I saw him pull out on the road and pull right back off. I turned around, went back down there. He said it died again. I said, okay, I'm going to charge it. You got to get it up to the church. We're, we're just going to have to go. I'll, I'll go get an alternator, and we'll put an alternator on because you're not going to be able to get, get by. So we got it charged, got it up to the church. We get up here. He hands me two $100 bills. He said, here. I said, no, I'm not going to charge you. And I'm, I'll, I'll help you out. He said, no, 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 no. Give it to the church. I said, okay. So I took the two $100 bills, walked in, slapped it down on Linda's desk, and I said, there's $200 for the 500 Went back out, went to town, got an alternator, came back up, put the alternator on his van, got it all put together, got it running. He handed me two more, two, two more $100 bills. I said, no, you've already given me some money. He said, no, give it to your church. I said, okay. During that time, during that time, Sister Linda got some stuff together and fed them lunch while I was fixing the van. Fed them ham sandwiches, but she ate it. I asked her later, I said, did she ask you what kind of meat that was? She said, no. I said, good. So we, they left. I brought $200, the $200 back in. I said, here's $400 on the $500. She said, well, how do you like that? The woman gave me $100. We had $500 by noon. 
from China and Palestine. You understand what I'm talking about? I mean, I like it when favor comes back. So everything that we give is from God except one thing. You know, in, in uh, Genesis, God made us from the dust of the ground. I, I, I should say two things. In Genesis, God made us from the dust of the ground. And then the earth was cursed because of their sin. The dust of the ground was cursed because of their sin. Our bodies were cursed to die because of sin. Everything of the ground, everything came forth from the ground was cursed. Our bodies began to die. And he said, you shall die. Our bodies begin to die. And then after the flood, the radiation increased from the sun, and our bodies began to die faster. We didn't live 800, 800 900 years anymore. Now we're down, we're down to 80 years or 90 years if you're lucky. And, and that's all because of the radiation from the sun and the things we have to deal with. Our bodies doesn't, don't last as long. And the earth, the earth was cursed because of sin. But in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies living sacrifice holy unto God which is your reasonable service what was God saying he said take that earthly thing take that earthly vessel that was cursed and present it to God as a sacrifice why because God didn't we we came from the our bodies come from the dust of the ground he was asking us to give back what did not come from heaven He created it, but he created it from the dirt of the earth. And so he's saying, give back to me that which was cursed as a sacrifice. Now, how can we do that? It was cursed. In Genesis, kind of getting ahead of myself, but we need to say that. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 1 through 5, it talks about, Cain and Abel. It says, Now Adam knew, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time from his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground of the Lord. Abel also brought the firstborn uh, of his flock and of, of their fat, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering, and Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. Now, why was it that God didn't respect that? Some people say that because it's the work of his hands. No, it's because Cain brought the accursed thing and tried to offer it as a sacrifice of the Lord. That which God had cursed, Cain brought it and said, here, this is the produce of the cursed ground, and I bring it you and God said I won't accept it because it's cursed but he brought a lamb and the lamb came the spirit in the lamb the life of the blood came from God and so he accepted the lamb but he did not accept the produce of the ground because the ground had been cursed You understand where, where I'm going here? Now, how is it? How is it that he reje resisted 
Cain's offering, but in the New Testament, we're commanded to bring it. What changed? Glad you asked. It, it, it all depends on origin. Where did something originate? Did it originate with God in heaven? Or did it originate on earth? Where did it come from? In Luke chapter 4, verses 5 through 6, the devil took Jesus up on the mount when he was being tempted took him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Now, I want you to listen to what he said. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory. For this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Now, Jesus did not counter him on that. Jesus did not say, you're, you're lying. So it had been given to him. The earth was cursed. Everything that come from the earth, God would not receive except little portions of it in the Old Testament where they were to bring barley and grain and stuff like that. God was, you, you got to understand, in the Old Testament, when you look at the covenants and you look at the, at the sacrifice, things like that, everything was a type and shadow and God was showing a day of redemption. Not only for man, but also for the earth. Types and shadows. He said, all this has been delivered to me. And so Satan had control of the earth, and it was cursed. God would not receive it or accept it. Our bodies had been cursed because we came forth from the ground and you shall die from dust you came and to dust you will return. Our spirit and our soul will go to heaven, but our bodies have to be changed. God will not receive our earthly bodies because our bodies came from the dust of the ground which was cursed. Come on, somebody. So we have been dealing with part of our life is acceptable to God and part of our life is not acceptable to God. That's what the old covenant established. And in our lives today, we still deal with that. We still look at it that way. There are some things that are good and some things that are bad because we still have an old covenant knowledge and understanding of things. Now, we see in the Old Testament that the ground was cursed, that our bodies were cursed. We see that Satan ended up with control of the authority and the glory of the earth. He reigned over the cursed thing. But is God the kind of God that will not reconcile? 
Is God not a redeeming God? Did Jesus not pay a price? Did he not shed his blood? Did he not sacrifice his body? Did he not have a crown of thorns placed on his head? Did Jesus, did Jesus not die for everything? If he didn't die for everything, he didn't die for anything. Because he said he was coming to pay the price. He was the last Adam. The first Adam brought the curse, but the last Adam brought redemption. He come to repay what was taken. He come to bless what had been cursed. He come to redeem what had been lost. He came to pay a price. And change the writings that were contrary to us. Oh, I am trying to stay focused. Colossians said that he changed the handwritings that were contrary to us, that were against us, taking it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. What was it that was contrary to us? What was it that was against us? Cursed shall be the crown for your sake. Cursed is your body, you shall die. All these things were cursed. And yet the Bible says in Colossians, Paul said that Jesus nailed it to the cross and overcame it and paid a price for it and redeemed it, taking it out of the way. And then he said he led captivity, captive gave gifts unto men. He said he made a show of the devil openly triumphant over him in it. So what happened? What changed all this? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. In Colossians chapter 1, come on, keep asking me questions. In Colossians chapter 1, I'm trying to give this to you the way I got it. Colossians chapter 1, verse 19. Hallelujah. Oh, I got, I got to jump back up a little bit. I know you guys don't have this, but I'm going to jump back up just a little bit. I got to jump all the way back up, verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints and the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness, conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. I want you to listen to that. Firstborn over all. He didn't say some. He said all creation. Calm down, son. Calm down. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. Everybody say all things. All things were created through him and for him. Is anything left out of all? Come on. And he is before all things. In him all things consist, and he is the head of the body, 
the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. In all things he may have the preeminence. Satan took him up on a, on a mountain and said, look at all this that I have. All this authority and all this glory, I'll give it to you if you'll bow down and worship me. And Jesus standing there thinking, I'm about to rip the keys out of your hand. You won't have nothing when I get done with you. I ain't going to bow down and worship. In him all things consist, and he has the preeminence. Oh, hallelujah. Brag now. For it pleased the Father. Now we're going to get to the good stuff. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell and by him. Everybody saying by him. To reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven having made peace through the blood of his cross. He didn't leave anything out. Everything has been redeemed. The curse has been removed. The kingdom of God has been established. And now there is a dominion that is preeminent over Satan, over the earth, over the world. In him all preeminence consists. Glory. always stumbled over that verse. Always stumbled over it. He has reconciled by him all things in the earth and all things in heaven. I used to look at that and think, I don't really know what he reconciled in heaven. What did he reconcile in heaven? And what did he reconcile on earth? And this week, I began to understand that I had allowed God to reconcile part of my life, but not all of my life. Because I still had an Old Testament understanding of what had been redeemed and what had been reconciled. But I got a revelation this week and began to realize that there's not anything in my life that has not been reconciled to God by him, through him, and for him. Everything has been reconciled. All things. Hallelujah. Oh, thank God. Devil tried to take my voice yesterday, but he didn't get it. <laughs> All things have been reconciled. What's it mean to be reconciled? It means that the difference between us has been taken out of the way, and we're at peace now. Oh, I've got to tell you something. We are, the earth is at peace with God. The flesh is at peace with God. Through the blood of Jesus, there is peace because reconciliation come through his blood. I feel like I'm 20 years old again. I'm liable to run. All things. That's why the verse I quoted to you all ago, I said, how'd that happen? 
Our bodies have been cursed. And now Paul is saying, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice unto God, holy and acceptable. Holy and acceptable. This old body made from the dirt of the ground has now been cleansed and washed and redeemed from the curse. And I now live in the kingdom of God. I'm no longer under the curse. My body's no longer under the curse. I am blessed of the Lord. My body is blessed of the Lord. I have healing flowing in my cells because of the grace of God. <laughs> You got you to gotta give me some time here because I just got this this week. I've never understood this, never really heard it this way. Some of it I've heard preach, but I never understood where it began. What belongs to God and what doesn't belong to God. In the Old Testament, the earth was cursed. It wasn't under the grace of God but through the blood of Jesus, the curse was lifted. And that's why when the kingdom of God came, Jesus said, I'm not coming to establish some kind of earthly throne. I'm coming to establish the kingdom, kingdom of God. Why? Because the kingdom of God is going to redeem this earth, redeem the curse, and redeem humanity from that which has been cursed. We're no longer living under the curse. You're a child of God. The ground is no longer cursed for your sake. The ground is now blessed. I remember one time when I decided to be a gardener, and I'm not good at growing anything. Neither is Sister Betty. People give us plants and always, always, always say, the good Lord called the poor thing home because it's going to die. It's like a death sentence. We can't keep anything alive. She's, she's done good to keep a couple things alive, but, but for the most part, they end up dying. But I decided to be a gardener when I was in my early 20s, just a kid. We was first married. We didn't have hardly anything, so I decided to plant a garden. So I planted this garden. I plowed it all up, done it by hand. I didn't have no rototiller. I didn't have nothing. I dug it all up by hand. I, I, I made everything by hand. I mean, I worked and, and got all my stuff planted out there. It started growing. It was looking good. It was blooming out. Everything was looking good. And all of a sudden, a plague of grasshoppers. Y'all remember that? I mean, that was a plague. There were thousands and thousands of grasshoppers everywhere. You couldn't walk through the yard without just being in a cloud of grasshoppers. Amen. It was awful. I went out there, and they had ate all the leaves and everything off my garden. I mean, there were just stubs sticking up there. And I was just young enough. To, I didn't have enough sense yet to doubt. I, just, I hadn't been saved too long. I was filled with the Holy Spirit preaching the gospel. I believed God could do anything. I walked out there, and I walked around the perimeter of that garden. I said, in the name of Jesus, 
Grasshoppers, you can't go beyond the perimeter of this garden anymore. I walked around the whole thing. I know you guys are trying to chase me on the camera. I walked around the whole thing. They're always getting on to me about that. I walked around the whole thing, and I said, any grasshopper that passes the perimeter of this garden will die in the name of Jesus. This garden is blessed of the Lord. You got to believe me. Not another grasshopper got inside that garden. The only ones that did were dead on the ground. My garden bloomed back out. It produced, it produced everything I'd planted to produce. Grasshoppers, there were thousands of them all around them, but they didn't touch my garden anymore. Why? Because all of a sudden that piece of land became blessed of the Lord. It was no longer under the curse, but it was blessed of the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, my my mother-in-law, I shouldn't have been so mean, but my mother-in-law, I went up there and they were just eating her garden all up and, and just, just destroying it. And I told her what happened to mine. She said, well, go out there and go out there and bless mine. I said, hey, every farmer for herself. Get out there and bless it yourself. <laughs> I said, get out there and walk the perimeter of that thing and curse them grasshoppers. But it's no longer cursed. You see what I'm talking about? Now back to finances. Y'all, can y'all hang with me just a little bit longer? He has reconciled everything. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8, verse 19. We got to go to Romans chapter 8. I'm almost finished. Romans chapter 8, verse 19. Now listen to this. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also was delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Did you just hear what I just read? Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why do we still hope? Did, did you understand what I'm talking about? He said there is a redemption. There is a salvation that is in the children of God, the kingdom, the, the blessing of the children of God. Now, let's get back to what we were talking about. God loves a cheerful giver, refuses to do without, will not abandon a cheerful, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in his giving. Now, why has there been such a blessing put on financial giving? Well, it's because of origin. Money did not originate with God. God did not create money. 
God did not create the system by which we function in today. It is man's possession. It is man's creation and man's possession. And the Bible said, Paul said, if we learn to be free, willing, hilarious, everybody remember that word, that's how you pronounce it, hilarious givers, he said, if you learn to do that, if, you, if you'll be like that, then God is able to make all grace, which means favor, all grace abound toward you into you always having all things may abound unto every good work. Now, why is there such a blessing connected to financial giving? Because you cannot serve God and mammon. Remember, opposing Jesus declared that mammon was an opposing God to our God. You cannot serve God and mammon. Why was he saying that? Because God did not create mammon. Mammon is the creation of man. We possess it. We own it. We have authority over it. It is our possession. Okay? We... So since it originated with man and did not originate with God, then it was cursed. Man should not live by bread alone. Man, you cannot serve God and mammon. And yet we read where Jesus said, I won't go into it right now. We're going to get into it later. But he even said, take the riches or wealth and bless people with it. And he also said, if you can't be found faithful and trustworthy in the unrighteous mammon, neither will you be trusted with the real riches, which are the things of God. Now, why would there be a difference? Why would God use unrighteous mammon? Because two gods. And yet we have to live in a world where we function through unrighteous mammon and we serve the living God. How do we reconcile this thing? How can it be reconciled? And this is, this is, where, this is where we got to understand. It originated with man. And God is saying, if you can willingly, freely, Give what belongs to you and what you have created hilariously, then I will honor you with favor and bless you with favor. Why? Oh, I wish I could just take time to expand on this. I'm running out of time. Because when you take, when man takes that which we have created, our possession, and we sow it willingly and freely to others. It's the greatest God act that we can do because we didn't receive this from God. In other words, God took everything he had and freely and willingly gave it to us. 
And he asked us in return to take that which was cursed and has now been reconciled by the grace of God, by the blood of the cross, and take it and sow it freely to others in need. It puts us in a position just like God was in when he freely gave everything he had, and now we turn around and God says, I see my nature in you. I see my nature in you. When you take what you have, what you have authority over, what you have possession over, and you freely, willingly give it, God's saying, that's when I see that my nature is becoming your nature because now you know what it's like to give. Whether it's forgiveness, love, mercy, blessing of any kind, God honors and says it'll come back to you pressed down, shaking together, running over. Will it come because what measure you give, it'll be measured back to you again, is what he said. But he said, when you take of what you did not receive from me and belongs to you and is your possession, your creation, you paid with your life to get it. See, when you when you spend money, you're not spending money, you're spending segments of your life. It's not just money because it took you sold a certain amount of your life to get that money. You understand what I'm talking about? When I'm talking to young couples and they're about to get married, when I talk to them about finances, that's what I tell them. I say, listen, before you go in debt for anything, you got to stop and say, how much of my life am I willing to sacrifice for this? Because I am going to be given segments of my life to this. It's not just money. We pay a price to get it. It belongs to us. God didn't give it to us. God didn't create it. It is ours. And yet you turn around and take that which you bought with your life and you give it to somebody in need. And God says, I love that. I love a cheerful, prompt to do it without sorrow or grudgingly giving because that's what God did for us. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. I hope I made it, I hope I somehow made this understandable today. It's not about what you can get by giving. I'd just like to kind of erase that today because God said he'd bless you. But he said, the people that I honor, the people that I love, the people that I honor are the ones that freely give without wondering what they're going to get in return. Those are the ones that I bless. 
That's why in this church you'll never hear me get up and say, if you'll give a certain amount of money, God will bless you with this and God will bless that's not what it's about. It is not, it's about the giving. The, the, the blessing is in the giving. If we don't learn that the blessing is in the giving, we're never going to be able to be blessed. Why? Because God knows our heart. And when you give like that, God's saying, that is not my nature. That is not the nature I'm looking for. He says, I don't love that. Because that is stingy. That is greedy. That's giving to try to get more in return. God, as I said before, I don't know where this come from, but God will bless your socks off if you learn how to just freely give of yourself. Amen. I spend a lot of my time helping people because I have building skills and stuff. So when, when people get in trouble with need, I love to show up and, and take care of things. But I'm always really blessed when I do something for some of them really good cooks and they send food home with me. That's always a, that's always a plus. But that's not what I got on my mind. What I got on my mind is there's a need. There's a need. I have ability, so hey, let's take care of this thing. Amen. Praise God. Do you understand what I'm saying today? I hope I hope I'm, I have a hard time letting go of something. I'm OCD about that. I have a hard time letting go. I want to re-preach this thing, make sure you all got it. But I'm not, going, I'm not going to do that. Stand with me today if you would. We're going to have a baptizing here in just a few minutes. Miss Sarah's getting ready to be baptized. We're going to sing a few worship songs. I'm going to go get ready. Praise God. And, and we're going to do a baptizing. But I want, you to, I want you to hold your hands just like this. Hold your hands out just like this. And say, God, I don't hold anything back. My body, I give to you because it's now under the covenant of the kingdom of God. My finances, I no longer hold but I give to you. It belongs to you. I will not withhold it from you. I will not serve money, but money serves me. In Jesus' name. Thank God. See, by doing what, what I preached today, the, the way I, we talked about it, by doing that, you are taking the God of mammon, that the world lives for, serves, will do anything to serve and get. Taking him off of his throne and making him the servant of the kingdom of God. Praise God. We're dethroning the devil. Dethroning the God of man.